Well, this morning I want to share a very important topic at a, uh, called anxiety-free living. Anxiety is a psychological pandemic in our generation. We worry about the future, we worry about the economy, we worry about the environment, we worry about the politics situation, we worry about the COVID, uh, we worry about how all this worry is going to affect our health, and etc., and etc., and etc. And scripture position is very clear. It is not just asking you to manage your stress level or anxiety. Scripture position is to eliminate, not manage, but eliminate worries in your life. And I'm going to show you how from this passage. Worry is a problem. The, there's a story about death. Death was walking towards a city one morning, and a man asked, what are you going to do, death? And death said, I'm going to take 100 people today. And the man said, that's horrible. Well, death said, that's the way it is. That's what I do. And the man hurried to warn everyone he could about death's plan. And as evening fell, he met death again. And the man said, you told me that you were going to take 100 people, the man said. Why did you take 1,000 people instead? And death simply responded by saying, I kept my word. I only took 100, but worries took the others. And worry is not just uh, uh, for adults or even kids. Children, they have a lot of uh, anxiousness in their lives. There was a story about a newspaper journalist wrote about the fears of a young fellow on the way to his first day at school. My name is Donald, and I don't know anything. I have new underwear, a new sweater, a loose tooth, and I didn't sleep well last night because I worried. What if the school burst, the school bus jerked while I was on the school bus, and then I fell? I lose my balance, and my pants rip, and everyone laughs. What if the bell rings and the man yells, Where do you belong? And I don't know. What if the thermos lit on my soup is on too tight, and when I try to open it, it breaks? What if I splash water on my name tag and my name disappears and no one will know who I am? What if they send us to play and all the swings are taken? I think though she writes about a child, I think that journalist echoes our own everyday fears in life. We all worry is part of life and something that drives a lot of our actions. Someone said that anxiety or worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. And if you encourage it, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. If you allow it to penetrate your mind, it will affect every areas of your life. And, but scripture has a position on that and to teach you. And I want to show you, and I want to read to you the passage first uh, from Philippians chapter 4. It's a very common, uh, popular passage that we go to. Uh, Philippians is one of the most beautiful letters you can read in 10 minutes, four chapters. But in that book, I probably can preach six months 
because it's loaded with so many wonderful instructions, so many of my memory, memory, memory verses that I memorized when I was young. is all from Philippians chapter 4. I probably can quote uh, verses uh, most from this letter, this book, than from any other book because it is just loaded with so many wonderful verses. So let me just read to you. Remember, Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. He's not sitting in his comfort room, aircon at a computer. He's in prison, chained by two guards. Two guards on one on the left, one on the right, uh, as he uh, think and pen this letter. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Before I want to give you three points based on these three verses, I want to share with you briefly in the next few minutes, because it's very important of the word translated here as anxious or worry. You know, just like in all English words, it can be both negative or positive, depending on the context, isn't it? And so most of the time, the original Greek word, anxious, uh, appears 17 times in the Bible. A few times are good, but most of it are negative. So to be anxious in this context, because it's negative, it, is, it was translated as anxiousness or worries. But in other contexts, with the same original Greek word, it is being translated as care or concerned. So depending on the context, so it is not to say that it, there are things that we should be concerned about. There are things that we should care about. Let me give you a few examples. For example, uh, Philippians 2.20, just a f one chapter or two chapters before this verse appeared here, there's, there is this con there's Philippians chapter 2. Paul wanted to send Timothy to them. And he said this, I have no one else like him, he's referring to Timothy, who will show genuine concern for your welfare. So it's the same word that's being used, but in this context, it is used as concern, not anxiousness or worry. Because it's a good thing. This guy, Timothy, is good. Why I want to send Timothy to you? Because this man, he has real genuine concern and care for your welfare. That's why I want to send him. He's not there to exploit you. He's not there to man, uh, manipulate you and all that. But he's there because he has real care and concern for you. And then in another verse, the same word is being used in a good sense, in a positive way, is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So that, talking about the body of Christ, so that there should be no division in the body and that its parts should have equal concern for each other. So as a body of Christ here, we all have equal concern for each other because our, we are part of the body of Christ. Just as a body, you care for your eyes and you care for your ears and you care for your feet. You care for one another. So as a body of Christ, we play each part. We care, we have equal care for each other. 
And so the same word is being used as concern again. And then there are also, this word is also used in context where it is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It depends on the situation. And that I give to you 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's the same word in Greek about singleness. Paul was encouraging them, those who are single, uh, those who have become single, to remain single at that situation because of the situation there, to remain as it is. He said, I would like you to be free from concern by being single at that time. And our married man is concerned about the Lord's affair, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned with the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife and his interests are divided. So in that context, Paul is saying, well, if it's possible, if you can, remain single. So again, the word is used uh, as a neutral. You can, it's a neutral word, in a sense. But... That is why the same words are being positive, negative, and neutral. But of course, the text that I want to bring to you uh, is negative. What you must not. There are things that we should concern about. I can't imagine you not concerned about anything at all in your life. Uh, I cannot imagine. All of us have care and concern, and rightly so, so that we can take some good action in life as well. Uh, there's an interesting and humorous story about a young woman visit her parents and brings her fiancé uh, to, to meet them. And after an elaborate dinner, the mother tells her husband to find out about this young man, just to suss him out to see whether it's good for their daughter. And the father invites the fiancé to his library for a drink. So what are your plans? The father asks the young man. And the young man says, well, I'm a Torah scholar. He's a Jew. He's a Torah scholar. He said, a Torah scholar? Hmm. At Maribor. But what will you do to provide a, a nice place for my daughter to live in, as she's accustomed to? And uh, the guy said, I will study, and uh, God will provide for us. And how are you going to buy her an engagement ring uh, such as she deserves? And the young man replies, well, I'll keep studying and God will provide it for us. And how about children in the future? How are you going to look after them? Uh, I will study and God will provide for us. And so the conversation continues like this. And each time the father questions, the young idealist insists that God will provide. And after the evening, uh, they left. The mother came in and asked Say, how did it go? The father answered, he has no job, he has no plan, and he thinks, I'm God. <laughs> well, this is humorous side that uh, we need to plan. We, there are things that we are concerned about that we ought to do, but this is not uh, what this context in Philippians that I'm going to share with you. I want to give you three Ps, all right? Three Ps in this passage, and I want to explore to you how do we eliminate completely, totally anxiety in our lives. But before I do that, I want to mention something first. This context is particularly talking about anxiousness that we can 
we are the one that work it up and, and, and we are the one that are in position to control. We are not, the, I, I, I acknowledge, we must acknowledge there are some people who do have anxiousness due to their physiological kind of condition and that kind of things. This context is not appealing, talking about those things. While this passage may help, but it is a, a medical condition that, that, so I'm not referring to this group of people, right? So I just want to be a bit sensitive. So the first point that Paul is saying to us in this passage is prohibition. Prohibition, no. He says, do not be anxious about anything or do not worry about anything. I love uh, J.B. Phillips, only have a New Testament translation. He said, don't worry over anything, whatever. Worry is... Anxiety, the word anxiety, worry, is translated as anxious here. It means, it simply means to be pulled in different directions. To be pulled in different directions. Stress comes upon you, anxiousness comes upon you when we are pulled in different directions. To divide the mind, that is the original meaning of the word anxiousness, anxiety. It is an app description of anxiety. Anxiety is when your mind is divided between legitimate thoughts and destructive thoughts. Anxiety takes your mind in two different directions. It tears your mind. Or James puts it, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Your mind are torn. You are pulled in different directions. And therefore, stress, anxiety, anxiousness comes into your life because you cannot decide in some sense. And of course, we all know that worry has definite physical consequences. Headaches, neck pains, ulcer, whatsoever that comes from uh, anxiousness. And from a spiritual point of view, anxiety is wrong thinking in the mind and wrong feeling in the heart. It's a wrong thinking of the mind and the wrong feeling of the heart. You feel wrongly, you reason wrongly, you think wrongly, and therefore stress comes into your life. Anxiety is the great thief of joy and peace. It is not enough, however, for someone to tell us to quit worrying because that will never capture the thief. Worry is an inside job, and it takes more than good intentions to gain victory. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, talks about that as well. That is famous passage, Sermon on the Mount, that uh, Xavier alluded to just now. Let me just show you a few things. Matthew chapter 6, this is what Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. To worry is, in other words, Jesus said, to worry is absolutely to miss the point of life, to miss it. And in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So in other words, to worry is illogical. Illogical. Worry is a slander on God's character, suggesting that he's more interested in his pets than in his children. And then verse 27, Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? 
In other words, Jesus is saying to worry is a complete waste of time. Someone said that it's like sitting on a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. And Mark Twain used to say that most of my disasters actually never happened to me. Worry is a waste of time. It is, a, it is futile, unproductive. It is pointless. So many things we worry about never happened. Worry spend a lot of time shoveling smoke. And then verse 28, it says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor, they do not spin. Yet I tell you that in all, even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow it is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? In other words, to worry is incompatible with faith. Faith and anxiety are like fire and water, chalk and cheese. It cannot exist together. When you have faith, anxiety will go. When you have anxiety, when you're anxious, you have no faith. And finally, verse 31 and verse 32, Jesus concludes by saying, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we wear, or drink? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So to worry is unchristians. And he concludes this section by saying, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of his own. So those are Jesus' words. Prohibition. Do not worry. Do not worry because it can't get you anywhere. It can't get you anywhere. It won't add anything to your life. It is unchristian when you have faith. Obviously, it takes discernment to tell when a healthy concern has soured into a harmful anxiety. That's where you have to, to, to know in a sense. Maybe there are some questions that you may need to ask yourself. Am I worried about physical needs or spiritual needs? Um, am I worried about my needs or the needs of others? Is my anxiety producing inner turmoil or conflicts with others? Am I worried about tomorrow that I am paralyzed today? Am I worried about something I cannot control? There was a very rich businessman who uh, had a heart attack, but he didn't die. He recovered. And while he was recovering, he went to the field, spent time by himself, and he wrote a letter to God. He said, Dear God, today I resign as the chief executive officer of the universe. Because you are, not me. So this is firstly, Paul says to us, don't stress, don't worry. And then he went on to give us a prescription. There's no point telling us not to worry unless you have another suggestion for us. 
And then Jesus went, uh, Paul said, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And J.B. Phillips says, Don't worry about anything, whatever. Tell God every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer. Tell God every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer. So that is the prescription. That is the solution. Present your every detail, every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer. This is God's replacement therapy. Don't do this, but do this. The cure for worry is to redirect your energy and replace your anxiety. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. D.A. Carson said, The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. When you are prayerful about everything, when you bring every details to God, that is God's solution for eliminating completely your anxiousness and your worry, is to come to God and bring it to Him. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is always the end of anxiety. Bring to God, like the hymn says, isn't it? Take it to the Lord in prayer. This is the solution to all your anxiousness and all your worries. Bring everything before the Lord. Anxiety is rooted in self, while prayer is rooted in God. Anxiety is the fruit of a narrow, constricted view of life, and the only thing one can see is the problems or the perplexities surrounding us, whereas prayer is the fruit of a broad and expansive view of life, biblical view in which God is so big, even our worst problems and worries shrink into insignificance. Anxiety never raises your eyes above your problems your situation or your circumstances, whereas prayer raises your eyes above and beyond yourself to God and His power. Helen Steiner Rice wrote a poem called On the Wings of Prayer. The Wings of Prayer. And this is what she said. She said, just close your eyes and open your heart and let your worries and cares depart. Just you yourself to the Father above, secure in His love. For life on earth grows more involved with endless problems that can't be solved. But God only asks us to do our best, and then He will take over and finish the rest. So when you are tired, discouraged, and blue, there's always one door that is open to you, and that is the door to the house of prayer. You, and you find God waiting to meet you there. And in the house of prayer is not farther away than the quiet spot where you kneel and pray. For the heart is the temple where God is there as we place ourselves in His loving care.
And He hears every prayer and He answers each one when we pray in His name, Thy will be done. And the burden that seems too heavy to bear are lifted away on the wings of prayer. Corrie Tambun said, Any concern too small to be turned into prayer is too small to be made into a burden. Any concern that is too small to be turned into prayer is too small to be made into a burden. So prohibition, do not stress, do not worry, and God's solution is bring everything to God in prayer. And when you begin to do that, when this is your habit, when it is part of your lifestyle in communion prayer, worries will not be able to enter into your life. And that is the promise, as Paul says here, which is the number three P, uh, prohibition, prescription. And this is the promise. When you don't stress, don't anxious, you bring everything to God. And the promise is, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me read in J.B. Phillips' version. He said, Don't worry about anything, whatever. Tell God every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer. And the peace of God which transcends human understanding, it will keep constant guard over your hearts and minds as they rest. In Christ Jesus. This peace that Jesus offered isn't some cheap psychological trick to get you past a few problems in life. No diagnostic manual or self-help book can reproduce it. It is God-shaped and God-given. It transcends all understanding. In other words, it's a mind-blowing experience that this mind cannot understand. Like Jesus said in John 14, in the farewell discourse, He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you this peace as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Because Jesus was departing, you must understand. The disciple has been spending time with Jesus for three years. And then now Jesus departing, saying that I'm going, I'm leaving. And he said, do not, I'm going to give you this peace. Not as the world gives. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit residing in us. That peace that you can experience when you make peace with God in your heart. And then you will be able to translate it into your life. It is a peace that is divine in origin. It is a peace that cannot be disrupted by the problems, by circumstances, by disturbance, by difficulties of life. It is not going to penetrate that. It is a peace that cannot waver, that cannot be shaken, and cannot be destroyed. And he went on to say, isn't it? Not just only this peace that transcends all understanding that is divine origin, but it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wrong thinking, wrong feeling. And when we bring everything to God, God is going to send almost like a guard 
like a guard to protect your mind and your, to protect your heart. To guard you, like sending a guard. I mean, interesting, Paul is in prison, surrounded by God, and this image came into his mind as he penned this letter. God is going to send God, not to guard me, to guard your heart and your mind, so that you will, your mind, in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., when you wake up, you're stressed, your mind starts to play tricks on you, you start to join dots and think all kinds of things. God is going to send the God over your mind that you will not think wrongly, that you will not feel wrongly, to guard your emotions, keep your heart, keep your mind, to stand God over you. Because the heart is wrong feeling and the mind is wrong thinking. And so when Paul mentions the heart, he's referring to the seat of the emotions. And the heart is the place from which our feelings come. And when Paul mentions the mind, he's referring to the place where we do our thinking, our worldviews, where we do our thinking. So what is worry? What is anxiousness if not, if it isn't wrong feeling and wrong thinking? And so here, the promise that when we bring everything to God in prayer, every detail, God is going to guard our hearts, He's going to guard our mind so that we won't think wrongly, we won't feel wrongly. Please observe what Paul doesn't say about prayer. He doesn't say that all your requests will be answered in precisely the way we articulate them. He doesn't say that the problems and perplexities and pain that may have caused the anxiety in the first place will suddenly and forever disappear from our lives. What he does say is that a loving Heavenly Father will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus as you face, as you endure, and patiently persevere in the midst of whatever this world throws in your direction. Two examples, one quote, and then we are done. Daniel chapter 6, the story of Daniel. He exemplified exactly what Paul says, isn't it? When Daniel learned about this decree, Daniel was so good. He served under three empires. He was held captive 17 years of age, 14 to 17, and he was a prime minister in three empires right until 90s when he died. Daniel means God is my judge. He was so good, the king loves him, but not his colleagues, not his peers. They were envious of him. They would try to do anything that would bring him down. Just imagine your, your, your colleagues were envious of you, jealous of you, and do anything, plot, and try to go to your boss and bring you down. And that is exactly what happened to, to Daniel. Now Daniel, when heard of this decree, because they knew that they, they can't find any, no skeleton in his closet, then what else can they get? Make the king issue a decree that no man should pray to God except to the king. But you know Daniel won't do that. So when Daniel learned about that decree had been published, what did he do? He went home, he went to his upstairs room, he opens the window towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks. Please note that word giving thanks, just as a decree there that if you do what you are doing, your head will roll. 
he said, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. That means to say, this is not a crisis prayer. This is his usual routine. Whether crisis or not crisis, he still do the same thing, just as he had done before. And then this man went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking for asking God for help. That's where, ha ha, got you. Finally, there's something that we can catch you. Did you see those things that appears in Daniel? Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving as what mentioned in Paul. Those three things appeared in his prayer. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, the same exact words that are in our text. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. And what was the result? Peace. Daniel experienced peace. Yes, peace, even though he was thrown into the lion's den. He had peace because God rescued him. Eliminate completely worries and stress. Second illustration. Someone sent to me a while ago about this interesting humorous piece that says, Everything I need to know about life, I learned from Noah's Ark. Number one, don't miss the boat. Number two, remember we are all in the same boat. That's a good one, isn't it? We're all in the same boat. We're all cut from the same piece of cloth. We, we struggle with the same things in life. You're not alone. What is most private is often most universal. Number three, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Number four, stay fit. When you're 600 years old, someone may ask you to do something really big. Number five, don't listen to critics. Just get on with the job that needs to be done. Number six, Build your future on high ground. Number seven, for safety's sake, travel in pairs. Number eight, speed isn't always an advantage. The snails were on board with the cheetahs. Number nine, when you are stressed, float a while. Number ten, remember the ark was built by amateurs, the Titanic by professionals. And the last one, which is what I want to capture is no matter the storm, when you are with God, there's always a rainbow waiting. No matter the storm, when you are with God, there's always a rainbow waiting. Final three words that I summarize up, God's way of completely eliminating anxiety or worries, and that is constant Conscious communion with God. If you remember these three C's and you do it, this is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Constant, conscious communion with God. Worries, anxieties will never be part of your life. It should never. It should never, no matter whatever circumstances that you may be facing. Constant, conscious communion with God. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we acknowledge that we are so concerned 
or stress, worries, anxious about so many things in our lives. Even when we are Christian, when we are not supposed to, it is a command that says, do not worry. It's not an op- option. Command, do not worry. Help us to be wise, to know what we should concern about and care about. And yet at the same time, those things that is beyond us, we leave it to you. We are not the managing director of the universe. You are. You are sovereign God. You know all things. You are Alpha, Omega. You are beginning and the end. And you know the end from the beginning. You are in charge, not us. Help us to be faithful to you. Do what you have commanded us to do. Diligently. And constant, conscious communion with you. Then we have no worries in our lives. We have no stress. We will be no anxiousness exists because we are always constantly, consciously communicating with you, bringing all our concern before you. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our heart, the way we feel, and our mind, the way we think, and rest in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Your Holy Spirit do the job as we sing this song. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Would you stand as we sing this closing song?